Welcome to Humanize IT, where technology experts meet to discuss business strategy, industry trends, how we can make IT more personal with conversations, not presentations, and occasionally engage in a laugh or two. Four seconds for me. It started at four seconds. It started at two for me. So this is really weird. Now, now we've got some sort of engineering, you know, conundrum. <laughs> now, we got to figure it out. I love how our podcast is like intro is now like, what is the delay on the recording counter in <laughs> StreamYard? <laughs> so today we're continuing our three-part series on uh, the three great virtues. Last week, we talked about the virtue of laziness, which is the quality that makes you go through great. Ed- <laughs> Let me read this off. The quality that makes you go to great effort to reduce overall energy expenditure. It makes you write labor-saving programs that other people will find useful and document what you wrote so you don't have to answer so many questions about it. (laughs) Today's hubris, the quality that makes you write and maintain programs that other people won't want to say bad things about. (laughs) So, like, I modify these to be my personal, like, drivers. Uh, the last one is impatience, the anger you feel when the computer is being lazy. This makes you write programs that don't just react to your needs, but actually anticipate them or pretend to. <laughs> pretend so, to. When I design things when as an engineer, like I always flaunt these because this is a computer science thing. Larry Wall, um, the author of the Perl programming language, came up with this. You guys should go to a website called the3greatvirtues.com. It's been alive forever, mm-hmm. and it just has nothing else on it other than these three things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to just kind of point out like, this is something you should incorporate in your life. The three great virtues, laziness, hu- impatience, and hubris, like mm-hmm. hubris. I like to make things that other people want to brag about, like either as an artist or as just somebody who is doing nice things. Yes. I like it when other people brag about how cool something is. Yes. That, and great. like you as an engineer, like you want to do such a great job with your customer that they brag about what you're doing. I think it was uh, Rackspace they had fanatical support that yeah. was so good that you would just be like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy good. Yeah. What, what, you, what you surprise yourself when they actually do answer the phone before, like, the second ring with a person. Yep. And you're like, one ring. hold on. I'm still drinking coffee. I thought this was going to be a menu. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I, um, hubris is something, yes, people are like, man, you have a big ego. You're right. And that's why, like, when you talk, when you look at our product, I'm not going to build something that or, you know, encourage something amongst the devs that is just going to be mediocre. This is going to be, oh, that's nice. Um, Okay. It should be something like, oh, wow, this is this is a big difference. This is wow. This is exactly what we've been looking for. This is this is you're hitting the nail on the head here. I want to hear those things from people. Right. Um, And I want to build something that encourages those kind of comments to come back to us. And that's how we know we're doing well. Not just a, oh, well, this will do, you know, pair of pliers. Right. Yeah. Oh, this is nice. This fits. This works. Um, I can use this. This is this is feeling right for me. This fixes our problem. This, this does, you know, this is the answer we've been looking for. And, and the cool part about it is sometimes when we're showing people, they don't know that they've been looking for this answer. Yes. But when they find it, they're like, oh, I I get it now. You know, it just fits in the slot. And like, yes, this is this is what I need. I've lost track of the number of times I've heard from our, it's become a commercial for Humanize right now, but the number of times I've heard from people like, where was this a year ago? Or we've been looking for this forever. 
where has it been? And it's like, well, you know, we're just not great at advertising. <laughs> and <laughs> I love hearing that. It didn't exist. <laughs> the hubris part is what gets me. I think in the book it actually says the kind of attitude that Zeus strikes you down for. You know, yeah. this, this pride in what you're doing. And I think in this world today, like, so we're we're told don't have pride in this thing because you know, that makes other people feel bad or it's oppressive or whatever. Like now you, you should have pride in your creation. Yeah. You should think I did that job so well that I, I, I want to show it off. I want to put it behind a glass case and have no one touch it. Maybe that's why engineers get so touchy when people mess things up that they built. Like yes. look how beautiful that is. Yeah, or they want they want to move something around. They want they want you to give edit rights to someone else. Like, no, that's mine. You don't <laughs> the way it is. You don't get to go over my painting. No. <laughs> well, you know, for me, it's like it's like when you clean the house. They're like, okay, now we just don't. Nobody use the house because it yeah, looks nice. Don't, don't touch it. Don't walk on the carpet. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's that's what I want to get out with hubris. It's like, what are you doing in your life or in your business that you feel this way about? Uh, when you go on a site, like I have this thing where I call walking on water, right? An engineer walks into an absolute disaster, just 100% craziness. Um, how am I going to fix this? And they fix it and they do it in a reasonable time. And they come with an elegant solution that no one understands. Yep. And there's no one there to say, wow, that was so cool. All the, all the end user sees is the internet's now on. Yeah. They're like, okay. And I don't feel seen. Yeah. Yeah. You're in the data center and you get it going, you turn around, you want to, you want to high five somebody or, you know, or whatever. And you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm awesome. <laughs> you know? You yeah. And pat yourself on the back <laughs> and you go on to the next item. I really want to like that call out that hubris. Like the thing is like, you drove yourself to do something that you're proud of. You drove yourself to exceed expectations and become something like, Oh, that's impressive. I like that. That is neat. I love it when that happens. Some people are great at apathy. Sometimes I get mad at my teenagers because they're so apathetic. Like, don't you want to be good at something? Don't you like want to drive to be like the best at something or to do something like, oh, look at this. I created this thing. And um, that's just teenager thing. Apathy. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you don't get that drive until you're in your 20s. I don't know. Well, but, for me, hubris was... I, I, and so this is an odd deal. I've always kind of been a word guy. Uh, I like to say I'm a wealth of useless information and, you know, obscure words. I, I've, I've always read a lot and had a fairly large vocabulary. But for some reason, hubris missed me along the way. Uh, and it wasn't until, I don't know, I was late 20s, early 30s that I even learned or heard the word and, you know, understood the definition. And at the time, it was kind of a negative deal. Um, you know, I forget the reference, but, you know, someone younger and the hubris of youth or something like that. And, you know, it was like, yeah, they don't know anything. But as I got a little bit older, I realized that, you know, for easily the first, you know, section of my career, I had quite a bit of hubris. Uh, and it could be viewed as a bit of a negative item, but that hubris allowed me to do a lot of really cool things. I walked into so many situations where I was technically not qualified and in some cases didn't have a clue, but my hubris allowed me to walk in there and go, I can fix this. And at the end of the day, I did. 
<laughs> you know? So I, as a manager, I would see that in some of my employees and rather than, you know, coming down on it hard, I would actually encourage it a little bit, you know, I, I would egg them on or put them in situations where they had to depend on their hubris, knowing that there's a real value in this. There's a real spark and inspiration and motivation that comes from this. And if you kind of manage it properly, you know, a team that has a lot of hubris can get a lot done. Yeah. And I think there's a good synergy there where you, Ooh, I use that word. Um, but, uh, <laughs> synergy, more words, not use that in my, in my sentences, but no. <laughs> the, the goal of doing something where people go, wow. Mm -hmm. And what drives you to that? Like, I, I don't know if it's just a personality trait I have. I'm guessing hubris is just part of me. Like I've been told, you know, Adam, <clears throat> you're kind of, kind of irreverent. <laughs> <laughs> really? Flippant. flippant is the most used is the most used term to describe my personality because I I I don't take things seriously. Like I'm I'm you know, like, oh, I should be stoic right now. I should be blah blah blah. And it's like, no, I'm here to push the envelope. Like I'm here to get us to the at that next level. I don't I don't like the status quo. I like to change and push people harder. And so with with engineers and people on my staff, I try to push them a little bit. It's like, hey, like take it to the take it to the next step. And so when you're running your MSP or you're in your personal workspace, are you inspiring others to take pride in what they're doing? Mm -hmm. And I don't see this, this in self-help at all. Like when I see people like take pride in your work, something we talked about a lot in the nineties, maybe early two thousands, but I haven't heard that phrase, take pride in your work mm -hmm. in at least a decade or any kind of person. Like you should be humble. You should be like, Oh, you know, you should be, you should be working quietly in the background. Like, no, don't be a drone. <laughs> right. Pop your head out and say, I am good at this and I'm going to do it the best. And you can, you can count on that. Yeah. I, it's somewhere along. I mean, I think you, my hubris matured in that sometimes I, I learned to, to test, you know, my skills or at least form a reasonable plan before I told anybody. Right. Because I did figure out along the way, oh, yeah, this is an impossible task. I'm not going to be able to do this because of something I learned digging into it, thinking I can fix this. Yep. And th that was that was very valuable because I learned a lot in, in walking through these things. So but at the end, you know, once I once I got pretty comfortable with, yes, I can. I know enough now to know that I absolutely can fix this then you need to drive with a little bit of that pride of, no, I, I can make this work. Uh, I need this part. I, I need this time slot. I need this downtime, um, you know, approve my change management order. Uh, and and I can I can show you that this will work. So yeah. it, it, there, there becomes a balance. And I think, you know, I've never, never said that I was a great manager, but I, I did see that, you know, this was a really, important element in managing technical staff is, you know, find that hubris, encourage it. Don't let it run wild, but yeah. you know, there's recklessness. Don't, 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 don't snuff it out. There's recklessness, but then yeah. there's also the excessive pride. There's also the ability of excessive pride that gets you to attack uh, impossible tasks, as you said. Mm -hmm. And in the nineties, we didn't have, 
a lot of technical resources. I was just talking to somebody online a little while ago. Like, you know, people like, well, you know, back in the 90s, people made mistakes and blah, blah, blah. And they made these big messes and no one documented anything. And it's like, that's because back then documentation was a pain. It was. You know, we didn't have, we had Crow Word Perfect 7 for crying out loud. And then we couldn't share the document in the next place. Like we'd have to like hand type it on the BBS or on the internet forum and hope that the internet didn't go down. So I ain't got time for that. I'm too busy fixing things. But there's this pride of attacking an issue where you know nothing about what's going on here. Yeah. Like, sure, it's great today because you can Google the answer. But back then you had to have this ego that said, I got this. Mm-hmm. And then you figure it out. Yep. And this is ex- expensive equipment. Like today, you guys don't know, you guys don't understand. Like, you know, yeah. back then, this is like a $2,500 computer, which is a lot of money. And the parts aren't just everywhere. Yeah. So yeah. if you mess something up, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a bit of time. Especially, I lived in rural Nebraska. So we were even farther away from good parts if you need to replace something. Mm-hmm. And so this excessive pride of the ability for you to like look at a problem and say, I got this. I can do this and I can knock it out of the park, even knowing that you have absolutely no grounding in this product. You you could mm-hmm. not tell what is going on in here. And so you crack it open and you start the work and you start building. And that's how we came IT guys and girls in the 90s is that we just had that so much pride in who we were and our ability to figure things out that we just attacked a problem. Mm-hmm. Other people said, ooh. I can't, I can't get into a computer that that's too much. I'll, I'll break something. Yeah. They had no hubris. They had no like pride in themselves and belief in themselves that they could figure it out. So they immediately hand the problem off to somebody else. Yeah. And that becomes the engineer. An engineer says, I could figure this out. And as you progress in your career, you would think that you get more humble. You don't because now you've got a bunch of things under your belt that says, yeah, I've, I've done this before. Uh-huh. You know, I, I've done, I've done worse. Yeah, manage it better. <laughs> you know what? I should start a business around this. Even though you know nothing about business, you're going to start that business and start working tickets and you're going to find out the hard way all these things you did not know because your pride blinded you to the fact that you knew nothing about cost center accounting. You knew nothing yeah. about P&L statements or you know how to establish a business or the legalities of it. But you that's, figured it out. That's actually really good. I mean, so I know a lot of our listeners are, our MSP owners, you know, if you knew now, uh, if you if if you knew back then what you know now about running a business, would you start a business? <laughs> and I, I'm guessing that quite a few had gone, no, no, I wouldn't do it. It would have it would have it would have scared me away. But you have grown and learned and acquired so many skills you didn't know you needed, but that hubris allowed you to do it. You're like, I, I can figure this out. I would change your statement. Like if I knew now, back then, what I know now, mm-hmm. like I'd be way better off. Oh, yeah. So you'd a be, lot yeah. of knowledge now. Oh, yeah. Now, if I were to meet myself, you know, 10 years ago and say, and I'm going, hey, I'm going to start a business. Like, dude, you need to step back a second. Uh-huh. <laughs> Here are the things you need to know. Yep. And that's a mentorship. You should find a mentor and help you through things. And eventually in your in your life, you you get a mentor who's also got a good ego on them too, who can help you through this stuff. But you know, what is it that you actually need to to talk to yourself about back then? Well, if if you if you discourage that person who is an absolute idiot 
and tried to kill their hubris, you would then um, keep them from learning. Yes. It's that hubris that allows them to take the step into the unknown and do something great that other people will brag about. Not just do something. Some people, I just want to run a business. Some people want to run a business so well that other people brag about, it. oh, this is cool. I really like Humanize IT. They do some fantastic stuff there. I can't wait to see where they're going next year. That's what you want to hear people say. That hubris drives us like, what is the next great thing that's going to help my people in my vertical? And, you know, that is hubris. Then I've got that. Yes, I've got an ego, but you have to have a little bit of egomania to run a company, to mm -hmm. be an engineer. Yep. Now, today you can be an engineer and be one, just a process follower. You know, yep. I'm, I've got the book. I've got the documentation. I can just follow the process. I can go home and come back in the next day. Yep. Back in the 90s and the early 2000s, you couldn't do that, people. No. Even in, right now, if you want to run a business, yes, you can look up and read a lot of business theory books and you can paralyze yourself with information. Or you can just start the work get a mentor and have them guide you because every business is unique and you need to treat your clients that way. So when you're walking into that school, you may do a lot of schools, but they're not all the same. Mm -hmm. Now schools are unique are a little bit unique in the fact that they do follow a standard curriculum that they're imposed upon them by the state, but they also have different feels and different values within their school. Things that they feel are important. Like, do you know what those are? Don't mm -hmm. assume you do. That, 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 that's that excessive pride getting in the way of doing right. your job really well. But say, you know what? I don't know much about this school. I'm going to serve them the best that anybody can. And yep. walk in there with that attitude and then be curious and feed your ego even more. Like as you discover more, I'm like, oh, you're not using an electronic timesheet system for check-in, check-out of students? Hey, I got this one we can use. Yep. Came in there with nothing and walked out of there with a project because you had the pride to walk in there and understand their problems. If you said, I don't do schools, I don't understand them, I don't know what's going on, then you'll never be good at schools. Yeah. Well, and it, it, it will allow you to do the things that you just didn't know and, and, and people don't even think of sometimes. So the one that I, I personally, that I really still hold on to fondly um, is when I was doing some wireless stuff down in Louisiana. And I, we had this, you know, near shore sort of offshore sort of platforms. And so we've ripped out this insanely expensive, incredibly low performing microwave stuff that has just finally aged out. And there's, there's a, not a lot of drive, not a lot of money, you know, or energy around really replacing this. And the business is, I don't know, they're, they're kind of not sure what they want to do with a lot of things. And I come in with this great idea. I'm going to deploy this new 802.11 wireless, you know, network out here. And I've been playing around with this for a while. I'm like, I can do this. I just need bigger antennas. I just need to go taller. Uh, I just need to buy boosters, you know, all these things that I've put in my mind. And so I go and I do it. I don't ask anybody. I don't, I don't, you know, Cisco didn't have a lot of resources available to me that I could tap into. Yeah. And so I, I do it all. And I'm rocking along and it's six, eight months later and we've get, you know, an iOS upgrade and now my wireless network's down. And so I'm on the phone with Cisco and I'm like, hey, I, I need some help. You know, the new new version, there's, I see new commands in here. I'm not sure what they do. Help me figure this out because it, it, it's not working anymore. 
and the the engineer gets all my stuff together you know gets the deal that goes oh that won't work that that that's not possible and i paused for a minute i said well it's been working for the last six months yeah what, what did you do that broke it and and they had to come back and go oh really you made this work and i said yes you you can actually shoot 10 miles on cisco aeronet 20 1200 series radios and we came back and we figured it out and that was a great moment but the, the big takeaway was me just jumping out there and doing that we actually created a, an infrastructure that allowed that area of the business to grow in ways that they didn't think they were going to grow they they implemented tools that they didn't have on the calendar to do and so the business really had this fantastic resource that they didn't even know they needed Yep. And that's where hubris can lead you many times. And you should allow yourself to create things or help your customer become that. Mm -hmm. Because what Skip did there was he allowed the company to do something they didn't think they could do before and, and grow in ways they didn't know. And when you do that, you give them pride. Then other people look at that company and they brag about what they can do. Like, oh my gosh, this company does this and this and this. That's incredible. You got to go check them out. And that helps your company, your clients have that hubris. And it's because of your contribution, which makes you feel good. So this is like, like this hubris spiral where you're feeding yeah. off of each other and everything is getting better because you took a leap of faith and you solved something and you became something better. I didn't know all this stuff about E-Rate when I started my company. Now I do. And I also know how to put some of the pieces together so that my schools can take advantage of things that help them save money and apply it to other areas in the school. And this is a big spiral like, wow, they're doing great now. Mm -hmm. And you have other companies that you can help and put them in a spot that they did not know existed that they didn't know they could do because they didn't know the technology or didn't have the problem solving skills where they took that leap. Like, Oh, why don't we just, well, it's not built for that. We can make this happen. Yep. Like, yeah, it. It's not, it, it hasn't happened before, but I can make this happen now. Mm -hmm. And that is the hubris that you need to be bringing to the table for your clients. You need to help them become excessively prideful in what they do. So the other people brag about their business and they want to do more. They're like, you're their secret sauce mm -hmm. and you take pride in that. Like I am their secret sauce. Yep. That's it. But there's also blindness. Just watch out for that. That yep. blindness where you don't become curious you and you don't learn about your client. You don't need to assume that you know everything about your client. You should walk in there with pride and confidence that you can, you can solve their issues, but then add a curiosity drop to that where you say, mm -hmm. tell me about yourself so that I can solve all your problems. Yep. Help me understand the parameters here. Yep. <laughs> I like hubris. Uh, you know, we next week we talk about my other best one, impatience. And uh, that's where we talk through uh, the idea that we will write a script for eight hours that solves a five-minute problem. <laughs> yep. And so tune in next week for impatience. Uh, this is great, great talking about hubris <laughs> this week and uh, laziness last week. So wait, what, what, wait one more week for the impatient one. Wait one more week for impatience. I did switch them around just for that. <laughs> there we go. All right. We'll see y'all later. See ya. Thank you for joining us today. If you like our podcast, please subscribe, comment, and check out our Facebook page. 
Also encourage others who want to see IT transform to subscribe as well. We could always use your help.